Pod. Pod. Havlicek stole the pod, and Chris, I think the Celtics stole the season from themselves this last week. It's Monday. it's really it, it's it's bad, man. It's bad. It's it's bad. Chris has a flight out west. He's probably dreading now. Like, why are we even doing? Yeah, this? and it's and it's delayed because it's snowing here in oh, Boston. Oh God! It's just a. Uh, you're going to see one of those like really, really annoying reporter tweets from me later today complaining at JetBlue about a flight delay. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get one Begging of those. For Begging for a free flight. Begging for a free flight. Yeah, a bag free of chips. Flight. <laughs> exactly. Give me a bag of pretzels and a Coke or something like that. Uh, but, but yeah, it's, it's bad, man. I mean, so I think I know the solution, though. Our last, our last show was published on – um, right after oh my right God. the star break, what was, a different tone it was back then, huh? Very different tone. It was it was on February nineteenth, and since then the Celtics have only won one game. They've lost one, two, three, four, Good five. They've lost five out of six since then. So maybe if you and I start podcasting a little bit more, they'll be okay because clearly that the team doesn't like when we don't podcast. I mean, it's last night was another example of them falling into that early early hole and then come second half they show a lot of that great energy they show a lot of that spunk but it's it's far too late right we've seen that movie so many times well yesterday afternoon to be exact chris and (laughs) (laughs) and you know i'm I'm starting to notice that a trend throughout this whole stretch of recent losses and even the season as a whole now to the worst version of themselves they fall behind by massive deficits early in these games. I mean, if you if you tune into the game a little bit late, as I did yesterday, and you see them like already on the verge of down twenty, I mean, you know, DeAndre Ayton said it best early in the season: if you get down by twenty, you can't win a game. Yeah, and <laughs> which obviously is which obviously is, isn't true. But I mean, you see where that line of thinking's coming from. Yeah, you could totally see where that's coming from. I mean, they get the energy that you watch in that third and fourth quarter, you know, mid to late third quarter and fourth quarter last night was was great. And it was a lot of the energy that we saw last season and their hype on defense. They're all, you know, it, it that's what they're looking for. But for some reason, it's just gone specifically lately in those second quarters. I mean, the Celtics didn't start like right off the tip horribly bad yesterday, but but it was quickly, you know, all of a sudden they were down 10 and then they were down 15 and they were letting James Harden get to the rim with these uncontested layups. And of course, he's going to probably drop 40 either way, but it makes it a whole lot easier when you're just letting him stroll into the lane. I mean, they were picking on guys like Baines at the top of the key who oh, Baines got in his first game back, he just looked completely out of sorts. Yeah, completely especially out with of the bald head. Yeah, especially with the bald head. I like Tom Westerholm's his Sons of Anarchy. Uh, reference with Baines. He, he looks like a character from that TV show, but I, I think it's tough because he was going to be out of sorts no matter what. He hasn't played in a month. It was just unfortunate that it had to come against the Rockets, and he was just getting abused by that backcourt. When he'd come up, he'd set those high screens, and he would kind of angle them weird. He would be a little too high, and then all of a sudden, he'd be matched up one-on-one with Harden, and you're just staring at the you're staring at the game, and you're like, oh, this is this is terrible. So I I wrote after one of these recent games, and as you remember, Chris, before the break, I'm like, why are these guys complaining? Why are these guys like making a big fuss out of this? Irving went on TV and talked about how hard this year's been, and I'm I, like, this team's been winning like crazy. Remember the win streak? They beat the Thunder. They had a good win over the Nets. They almost beat the Warriors. They had a yeah, massive. Stretch in there, yep. yeah. Besides the Warriors' loss, so before the break, I mean, they win ten out of eleven. They have those two like offhand losses to the Lakers and Clippers, 
but they beat the Sixers, and I'm saying, you know, this team's right in position to make a run to the top of the conference. Things seem to be shaky on the inside, but I mean, on the court, they look great. So coming out of break, they drop one at the buzzer against Milwaukee. They lose horribly to the Bulls, and then they just get blown off the floor by the Raptors. And then, you know, after that Raptors loss, I think, was when they all came out and said, you know, Irving was talking about Brad and his defensive shortcuts comments, saying, you know, Brad's got to fix that. Smart pretty much just came out and was like, yeah, we should turn it around. And then, you know, the, the whole team just seemed dejected. And at that point, I'm just like, what happened? Well, it's really weird. Like, you make a good point. It's it's weird. And Gordon Hayward at the beginning of the year went after every single game or every single practice. Everyone would ask him, you know, how's your ankle doing? How are you feeling? Are you feeling, you know, what percentage are you feeling? Are you feeling closer to 100%? You, hey, you have a good day today? And all he kept saying was, you don't get too high on the highs and you don't get too low on the lows. That was his message. And he repeated it again and again and again. And finally, people were like, okay, that's fair. You know, it's a pretty devastating injury so you gotta stay pretty mellow throughout your recovery with the team i think the team could really use that message too because you talk about it they win 10 out of 11 they have that crazy streak besides the loss to golden state and things are going really well but then they lose those back-to-back games and suddenly against la and la and then suddenly you have marcus morris saying that this season hasn't been fun at all and you know there's a lot of things wrong with this team and they're struggling so it's the fact that they go through these ebbs and flows but when they're down, like, it's catastrophic. They can't lose a couple games in a row and handle it like, another, you know, we'll, we'll bounce back, whatever, we'll so be fine. You were, they, at the, you were at the Portland game after that loss to the yeah. Raptors, and that was a back-to-back. Did, maybe I was just seeing things because of how bad that Raptors loss was, but did, did, didn't they look visually dejected out there? They come out and score 92 points. Like, they seem tentative. Yeah, they seemed tentative, and it was just it was just choppy. It yeah. looked choppy, and to me, suddenly in the last couple of games, their half court offense has looked a lot like the Sixers sometimes does with Ben Simmons running the show because they can get kind of choppy too. But they are good enough in transition where they can they can kind of get away with that. The Celtics are not, um, but it just there wasn't really a flow to it. They just looked uncomfortable, and you're right, they look somewhat dejected. There's not that fight back. There's not that pushback that the Celtics had last year. And, you know, the next day there was a, there was a practice uh, two days later. I'm sorry. There was a practice before the Washington game and they seemed really loose. Like they were in great, great spirits at practice. Marcus Morris popped over unannounced to talk to us and said he was going to bring some soul back to this shit. And, you know, things honestly, it, it had a really good feeling around it. And then they go out and yeah, they beat the wizards, but right back to it yesterday afternoon they just get off to that slow start and you can't especially against a team like houston you can't go down 25 points and expect to come back and and crawl back i don't know so what's your so now you know you said you were pretty high on the team and you were expecting them to make a push towards the top of the eastern conference where do you stand right now following that loss yesterday obviously houston's a really good team but the way they lost that game was was pretty unnerving but the energy was kind of promising right i'm 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 going to pull a Larry David and bring it right to a 10. <laughs> I'm out on the team, Chris. I really? really am at this point. I mean, they they had so many silver linings going for them that I held on to. I mean, Marcus Morris was having a career year, and he's fallen off the last few weeks. Irving and Smart seem so dedicated to that leadership role, and I still feel like Smart's hanging on to it, but Irving at this point just seems 
done talking to the media, you know, just play he's the definitely, game, get in, definitely get out. Done talking to the media, yeah. And, yeah, and you know, that's not like I don't, I don't look at that and say like that's leadership. You go out and talk in front of the mic and say, I, your, say, say, your, <laughs> say your truth. Yeah. But I mean, I think it gives a window into where what his mindset's at at this point, and like he just seems done with it all. Like he's just. You know, and I still give him credit. He's going out on the court. He's doing his thing. He's still playing extremely well. But he just seems dejected by this whole thing. Uh, you know, Roger just seems out of the fold at this point. Brown's playing better, but at the same token, you know, smart. Tatum has these off nights now. The team still doesn't yeah. get to the free throw line. And Rozier, I, Rozier and Jalen brought some good energy yesterday, but and that was kind of the focus. And of yeah, everyone. And I don't even look at any of the individuals because I think it's hard to look to an individual on this team and say you need to step up. And that You're person right. steps up, and it's all going to change. It's a collective chemistry issue with this team at this point, and it yeah. seems like one wings out of the fold every single night, and that's been Hayward yep. of late. He has like four points a game since the break. Really unfortunate because he was playing pretty well oh, yeah. before the break, and then he got hurt over the break when, when he was working out with Chevy. Oh, that's right. And, yeah. he, and he hurt his ankle, and since he sprained his ankle, he has not been the same. That's it's almost right. like I that set him back that. like a month or something like that. It was, it was brutal because ever he was looking he was looking great going into the uh, going into the All Star break, and and he was talking about he was excited to he had to stick around here. He couldn't go anywhere for a vacation because his wife had just had their third child and. He was going to get to stick around the Arbeck Center and keep working out, and then he unfortunately got hurt, and and I feel like that's really impacted him in a negative way. Yeah, and that makes a ton of space, sense because the explosiveness isn't there. And when, yeah. You know, when you have an ankle injury, and I've seen it a million times now since I started covering basketball, that three-point shot just falls off the map, and he's 12% from three since. Yeah, it's, it's bad. So you're completely out. I mean... There's still a. I am not. My hopes are. My excuse me. My hopes are not high for this team. Let me start with that. But there is a part of me that still thinks that they could make a little push in the playoffs. I mean, that's kind of when the talent rises to the crop. This team hasn't really shown that they have an equal amount of talent to a lot of the top teams in the league. But their net rating is still fourth in the NBA. I mean, they have they do have a better net rating than the Raptors. They have a better net rating than the Thunder. I mean, it goes Milwaukee, Golden State, Denver, and Boston. And, so, if, you, and if you throw it back to that Pistons win before the All-Star break, and you ask me then, I'm like, all right, this team's taking care of business. They can beat the lower half of the right. East with ease. They're playing up to these teams like the Thunder, the Warriors. Right. And, honestly, and honestly, even after the Milwaukee loss, I probably would have said the same thing because yeah. they had their worst they had their worst shooting night of the entire season they only shot six free throws and they didn't have gordon hayward even though they're not really using him but they didn't have hayward and they only lost by one point to milwaukee so like that was an okay loss you came away with that with some positives right yeah and certainly they had a good possession to end the game as well that just didn't come together and you right. probably come away from that win feeling pretty good if it was a win but then it just slides into this. The Chicago game was inexplicable. There was no energy on either end of the floor. It didn't feel like the team showed up at all. And yeah. then, you know, these teams that they had beaten played up to early in the season, Raptors, they just get demolished. And we know the changes that the Raptors made, and they played a big impact in that game. Gasol was great. Jeremy Lin looked good. And they just look like a completely different team. Siakam's playing at the highest level at this yeah. point. That looks like the East favorite out there. In it's Toronto. like that. It's just you're, but it's what you were talking about earlier. It's that dejected mantra that just sucks the energy yeah. right out of the team, and and they just can't. They can't afford to play with that little energy. I mean, when I was watching the Bulls game 
this weekend or last weekend, I was thinking, okay, this is a team that is trying to pull a Golden State Warriors, basically take a night off, take this loss because they don't really care about playing the Bulls. And then they'll go to Toronto and they'll beat Toronto on Tuesday. That was my thought process. And I was sitting there like, yeah, this will probably happen. And then, for, but first off, they're not good enough to do that. They're not the Warriors. The Warriors can get away with that. The and Celtics can't. that's another can. thing, yeah. Yeah, and then they went and they just get smacked by Toronto. It's like, oh my God. And if I'm going to be consistent, I was always a loud critic of those LeBron teams that coasted through the regular season. Yeah. And they grabbed like the three seed last year going into the postseason. I think that affects a team. Certainly if you've made I think it does before. Too. You can put it together come playoff time, but if you're a new team coming together like the Celtic squad is, and they yeah. think it's just going to come together come postseason time, especially with the competition they have, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, I agree. Like the only team that can get away with that is is Golden State because they've done it before and they they know the deal. So they and they're good enough to do it. So I 100% agree there. I mean, I I think the main person who's pushing that is Kyrie. I think he is. Like he said the other day against, I think it was after the Portland game, he said, you know, I can't wait to play at the highest level. I can't wait for all this regular season, basically all this regular season BS to be over with and just move, move on. <laughs> I'm looking at him like, man, you guys got a lot of problems and this is your time to work it out. So you, you probably shouldn't be looking that and that's forward. my thing like if they're starting this little break now this pre-postseason break there's still like a fourth of the season to go they're looking like this on the court like how far can they slide because they if they yeah. just keep dropping games left and right brooklyn's gonna sneak up on you for that five seed suddenly you're down at six and you're playing you yeah know, i mean like this Philly round one yeah this is and this is also not a team that wants to play on the road to start the playoffs they need that home court because they do not play well on the road it's just that's just the way it is i mean they've i think their last win on the road was that philly game and before that it uh, you know they had easy road games it was the the Cavs, the knicks the hawks so yeah they haven't they, played they, a ton, ton on the road lately. yeah and i mean before and before that stretch they got swept on their road trip against miami orlando and brooklyn and we know how that road trip went so like it, it's not a pretty picture seeing them you know jump on the road I, I just don't know so where what's your worst case scenario like for the rest of the season where do you see them going from here so i think at this point with how the season's gone, just how dejected Irving sounds in these you know press scenarios. If this team just doesn't turn it up these last you know twenty games or so, less than twenty games, and they go into the postseason, it's looking good as far as seeding goes. But I don't really care about seeding anymore. Like whoever they play, they just you know have to show up as a team. Yeah. If they go around one, say it's the Pacers, as it's looking like right now, and you know the Pacers have come together as a team since Oladipo lost. They're still hanging tight. They're still playing great. They get yeah. knocked off round one. Like you have to be prepared at that point. I think to expect both Irving and Horford to leave this team, and at that point, you know you're you're basically you're not starting over i think you still have nice pieces in place but you're certainly stepping back from championship aspirations at that point yeah i mean do you think i i'm i agree with irving i think i could definitely see him walking just because it's it has gotten pretty ugly with him and i, I don't i think I wasn't people feeling... need to start preparing for that possibility at this point yeah prepare your y2k bunkers because it's it's start it's, it's coming but i don't know i mean horford I'm kind of up in the air about because he's 32 going on 33 and he's owed what 30. his option would be 30 million next year. Okay. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, he would, maybe he picks that up. I, he's a guy that would stick 
around if if you ask me right now. You look at the post game press conferences last night, and you have Kyrie speaking one you know those short short one word answers where he's literally just like he's he's not saying anything. How, how tough was that one for, for you guys tonight? It's tough. Didn't play well. Kyrie, in your career, have you ever gone through anything like this? What are you going to do to turn it around? Just play better. He's just not speaking. And then you go to Al Horford, and he's kind of a little upbeat, more upbeat. He's Obviously, they lost. They, they played pretty poorly to start this game, and so none of the players were happy. But... He's sitting there and he's saying the right things. You know, we got to come together as a team. We got to bounce back. So he kind of takes on that mantra, which I think he takes pride in. Kyrie clearly does not. Um, And so I would think that Horford is definitely more likely to stick around than Kyrie. But I think if this keeps trending the way it is, Kyrie might be out the door. Certainly. And then more. But I'm not. But but I'm also. And, you know, I I do want to say this. A couple. I I was a big time fighter against everyone who says, you know, this team is is better off without Kyrie. This team is better off without Kyrie. And people saying it again and again, and I just kept looking like, you guys are nuts. And and I'm still on this, I'm still on that belief, because you look, you take Kyrie out, and this team's ceiling just drops. And that's an obvious case, because you can't beat the top competition without a guy like Kyrie Irving. You need him if you want to make a deep run in the playoffs. However, I can now get to the point where I understand what those people are saying, because it is pretty clear that this team plays with more energy when he's off the floor. They're different. There's not as much ball watching. There's not as much stagnant possessions that turn into ISO play without him on the floor. And it's, and I still think they're a better team with him because it improves their ceiling and allows them to make a deep stretch run. But I get what those people are saying because you watch that third quarter run yesterday when he's out of the game, the energy and like spunk that we saw last year is there and it's just he comes back on the floor and the ball watching kind of trails back in and the poor shot selection so i i do now kind of see and i can accept what those people are saying what do you think it is is it too much one guy on the ball yeah i think so i think there's a lot of killing ants you know there's a lot of dribbling up top and it and it just turns into that isolation play because there's ball watching and guys have talked about that terry talked about it earlier in the year he was like, you know, Kyrie is one of the best scorers on the planet. He's one of the best point guards on the planet. So you're going to stand around and watch him. You're going to you're going to catch yourself standing around and watching like that just happens. And it's been happening more so lately. So, yeah, I think it's probably just too and much maybe, on the maybe, ball. Maybe there'd be some silver lining on it bo- to both sides if that separation happens. It, it would certainly be a difficult one for the Celtics to adjust to because you don't have that central piece that makes you believe that you can play up to the best in the league. But yeah. at the same time, you know, maybe Tatum develops more rapidly than he has this year with more shots, more time on the ball. You know, Hayward, second year back, gets more time on the ball, a more central role. Maybe that plays out better for him. My big question is, with that point guard position, wide open hole there, say Irving leaves, do you bring back Roger? Because I've been saying all year, no. 
the money's going to be too much. I've been completely discouraged by how he's played this year off the bench, the way with which he's carried himself in that role. And it makes me wonder if there's a ceiling on his game. Because when you dish out a contract, as the Celtics did with Smart, you project some sort of improvement there. And Smart's been better. I think he's played up to the extra dollars he's gotten. Would Roger be able to play up to $20 million plus? I'm just not sure. Yeah, I mean, Terry's really had a tough stretch. And like I said yesterday, he did bring a lot of good energy along with Jalen Brown. But over the course of that energy, he took some really, really bad shots. Like his shot selection has just gone right back to early on in the season. And it's and it was weird because their shot selection and decision making was great, like we said, before the All-Star break. And suddenly things start to go bad and it just immediately reverts back Did to that early season. Did you see the shot he problem. took against Chicago in the corner where he was just yeah. running around and threw it yeah. up like he was in the gym? Really, really bad. Really, really bad. Like I just – I don't – I don't know, man. It's I, I so hard to believe in this team anymore. It really what, is. What do, you think, what do you think's going on with Marcus Morris? Because God, he has been terrible. Here, okay. Here's my here's my question in this case. Do do you think come Tuesday night against Golden State, you need to start Jalen Brown and you need to put Marcus Morris back on the bench? Yeah, I think so because Brown's playing with a massive amount of defensive intensity right now. I thought Brown was phenomenal against Washington and setting them straight when uh, the going got rough those four games there. That was a nice win. He's been really, really good over the course of this last month or two months, even when things have gone bad. And maybe that settles out some chemistry, defensive rotations, all of that in the starting lineup. It gives you a little more um, size in there at that two position, which is nice. Yeah. You know, it's probably about time, and he's earned it. When he went to the bench, he was struggling. He needed to turn it around, and he has. And I give him a, an enormous amount of credit for the way he's yeah. played this year. Me too. Do you think that would change if he got put into the starting lineup, or do you think he's just he's got his confidence back and he'll be fine no matter where he, where he falls? I think because that's been the argument rough. that I've seen a lot. People saying, you know, he li- he's perfect in his role right now, so you need to keep yeah, him there. Yeah, I think I think a big reason he got a boost is that he was playing off Hayward with that bench unit yeah. and that worked right. well for him. He had the ball in his hands quite a bit and yeah. I'd be worried about him just standing in the corner with that starting lineup cuz that's great because be. because you're right. He's with that bench unit, he's been far more aggressive. He puts the ball on the floor and gets to the cup and and that's what he should be doing instead of settling for those long Well, here's long the thing. Threes. I mean, we got to start taking going to look at those second third quarter lineups like brad Stevens said that's the yeah. stretches where they're completely falling out of these games so who's on the floor for those stretches that's what we got to figure out is daniel tice playing a little bit too much during these stretches uh, you know yeah. does horford have to be out there more for the middle parts of these games and i don't know if it's like stubbornness or what but brad just seems very reluctant to change those rotations and change that lineup even last night after the game he's just we just got to play better is what he said and at some point, man, you got to change that starting lineup because it's not going well. What do you think this season says for Brad? I don't know. It, it definitely changes some people's opinions on it. I think he's. this is a pretty complex set of issues. I think it's a lot of chemistry issues and just a tough batch of uh, – a tough batch of problems whether it's egos whether it's style of play a lack of energy i don't know i think the only issue i've had with brad's style is his lack of of ability to change and to throw adjustments uh because you watch and this team doesn't really adjust well on the court and obviously he doesn't adjust the lineup so i think as a whole with brad included just the lack of adjustments is really what comes for me so maybe his in-game style probably took some shots this season would be would be my main takeaway 
Yeah, certainly so. And I think you even look at Ainge for some of this. Like, could he have shaken up the roster at all before the season? No changes at all before the season came in, and we knew there was a ton of pieces in here that were going to need the ball in their hands. That's a tough situation because when you have immense value, you don't want to just sell well on it because you have too much of it. But, yeah. you know, they clearly needed to, you know, loosen up their amount of baggage that they have right here in terms of players and talent, and they just weren't able to do so. I also look back, if this just keeps sliding, maybe you take a bit closer look at moving Irving during that trade deadline. At the time, I would have flipped out, but if you're proactive about that... God, imagine what would have... Oh, my gosh. It would have been tough to accept at the time, but in retrospect now, I look at it and I'm like, if that could have executed a Davis deal at the time, it would have been bold, it would have been ambitious... But, you know, yeah, it's it's a, it's a worthy thought. And have you and, you know, you brought up that discussion around the trade deadline. I basically told you to shut up. And, and you're <laughs> right. And, but you're right. It's it's a worthy. You look at it now and it's like, you know, that's not the craziest thing. Because At ever this heard. point, if they lose Irving, you're not getting Davis either. It would seem like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, at least for the long run. And, and again, it just comes back to that question. Do you want to mortgage your if you I mean, you could end up giving away Tatum and, and these young pieces or even those draft picks for someone who's essentially going to be a one-year rental if Irving's not here. So it's interesting, but either way, Bobby, the team is now in San Francisco. They're hopefully bonding on the road together, morphing together. That's where you're headed, right? That's where I'm headed. I'm flying to San Francisco today. So the team practices this morning. We're we're recording this Monday morning. So the team is practicing. Uh, They've got a film session at the team hotel, and then they are practicing at the University of San Francisco this morning. And then they will have a a shoot around, which we'll have coverage at Celtics blog um, tomorrow morning before they face off against the Warriors at Oracle Arena tomorrow night. Then they'll take a bus to Sacramento. And then they'll play Sacramento on Wednesday night, and then they'll fly from there to L.A., and they play the Clippers and the Lakers. So it's it's not a easy trip at all, uh, but it could, be, uh, it could go really well or really poorly, especially in terms of bonding off the floor. So I guess we'll have to, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, this is make or break for them. Not make or break, but, you know, the team. It might be. It might be. If they go out there and get, if they go out there and lose four straight games, I think, I think break is a, is a polite way to put it. And that's like exactly what they need right now. A Tuesday night game against the Warriors is everything's going wrong, which uh, so many to think about. Nationally broadcasted games for everyone to watch. (laughs) These Celtics just slowly implode. Uh, So here we are in our shame and misery. Of course, I got the Syracuse on orange to hang on as they storm to in the march madness uh, chris is having an off year i don't have anything to hold on to confidence yeah he's not holding you over <laughs> wizards, the wizards suck so my team's out it's just absolutely... even they lost to the Celtics. <laughs> yeah yeah just yeah they can't even i don't even want to talk about that man it's just brutal <laughs> but well, that's our show we'll, we'll tune in with chris out there on the west coast possibly toward the later end of it when he settles down in la oh god that was another thing chris just what this team needs a full weekend in LA. Yeah, a full weekend at. Oh, yeah. That, oh, that could, God. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I'll, I'll keep an eye out at any bars or clubs for Marcus Morris. <laughs> trying, to, trying to find some soul. The Flash Dad will be holding on. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you next time, guys. Thanks for tuning in. We're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, we're on all of those at this point. So look for the Celtics Blog Podcast, and we'll talk to you from the West Coast. 